0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Abroad Pod. This week's podcast will dive into some of the most frequently asked questions surrounding COVID 19 and the tourism industry, and also what travel will look like post quarantine. I learned a lot while researching this topic and hope you guys leave this episode feeling informed as well. At the end of the episode, I will discuss Mexico and provide an insight tip on how you can score a stay at an all-inclusive resort and a flight deal for two for less than $1,000. You won't want to miss it. preface this episode by saying that I am by no means an expert on the topic, but I have been doing a lot of research and staying up to date about changes in the travel industry since COVID-19 was declared a pandemic back in March. And the purpose of today's episode is just to share the research that I've done and what I know with you guys so that we can all stay informed on the changes that are taking place in the world around us. So getting into it then. Most of us have been practicing social distance since the beginning of March. I myself am in my 11th week of quarantine, and countries around the world have been doing this. It's not just the U.S. Of course, U.S. states are pretty much all in stay-at-home orders and have been since March, but states are now just beginning to reopen their economies through the creation of phases. So for example, Phase 1 just commenced last Monday in Massachusetts, That's my home state, and for phase one, just an example, now our beaches and parks are open, so as long as we remain socially distant, we can go back to the beach. Phase two, which will hopefully occur in mid-June, will include retail, outdoor dining, nail salons, and more. But it really depends on the state. That's for Mass. I know the state right above us, New Hampshire, actually already has a lot of stores and restaurants open. So it all depends on the state. Regardless of the phases, I think the question many of us are wondering is, how will the pandemic affect the travel industry? What challenges are businesses in the industry already facing, and what plans are being put in place to overcome these challenges? And most importantly, what will travel look like for the remainder of 2020 and even 2021? Say things do reopen, you guys. Flights become more available, countries around the world are starting to beg tourists to come back and visit because they need the tourism money, they need us to help boost their economies, just like the US relies heavily on tourism too. So, say everything started to reopen, would you guys even feel comfortable hopping on a plane right now and traveling? Honestly, I don't know if I do. There are a lot of precautions being put in place and a lot of changes that airlines, hotels, Airbnb, amongst others, are doing to keep people safe, but Today I just want to talk about some of those changes that are being made and also just talk about how the industry is being infected as a whole. As I mentioned, whether restrictions are being lifted or not totally depends on the country or in the case of the US, the state. So like I mentioned, New Hampshire is already open and the US, a lot of states in the south are also already open, such as Georgia and South Carolina, and there are some countries out there that never really closed. Sweden is one of those countries where they never had a formal stay-at-home order put in place. According to the UN's World Tourism Organization, or WTO, 217 countries and territories have imposed some kind of restriction during this time. 97 of them, so almost 50%, have actually implemented total border closures. One of the countries that has done this is Australia, so no Australians were supposed to be leaving and no one was allowed to enter. So the restrictions around the world are starting to be lifted. It is now May. I would say a lot of countries are starting to lift their restrictions now, and if not, we'll try to throughout the summer. In terms of revenue and unemployment, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on the travel industry as a whole. According to the World Travel and Tourism Council, they have predicted a loss of $75 tourism-related jobs worldwide and a loss of $2.1 trillion in revenue. The U.S. tourism industry has actually been hit especially hard due to the intense stay-at-home orders that have been put in place this spring. The U.S. Travel Association predicts a loss of 4.6 million jobs through May just in the U.S. alone. Experts are also saying that this pandemic could not have come at a worse time for the travel industry. If you think about it, most people travel in the spring, with summer being the peak in the travel industry, and then throughout the fall. And unfortunately, that is the time COVID-19 is taking place. At least in the U.S., restrictions really started being put in place in March, and they will be carried out through the summer and definitely into the fall. Most people I know, including my family, have called off all summer vacations. And companies that really rely on students or maybe families traveling in the summer are definitely being affected this year. Without people from around the world jet-setting to new destinations every day, hotels, restaurants, airlines, and even small businesses have been relying on government stimulus packages. But I think cruise lines have been hit the hardest during this time. Cruise lines have really become the face of the pandemic in terms of the travel industry. I'm sure you guys have seen it all over the news or even social media, but Holland's Rotterdam ship has been stuck at sea with passengers quarantined in their tiny staterooms for over two weeks as the virus spread quickly throughout the ship. Meals were getting delivered to the passengers three times a day to their doors, and they were unable to leave their rooms. Talk about a total nightmare. The passengers did finally get approved to disembark in Fort Lauderdale, but still, they were stuck at sea for quite some time. This, plus the fact that cruise line companies have lost a total of $750 million since January, and the fact that cruise itineraries have been cancelled between now and at least the end of August, makes me think that cruises are facing an uphill battle with a long recovery ahead of them. Due to the sheer amount of people who travel on cruise ships, I mean, some of these boats can hold upwards of 6,000 passengers, including the crew, and the fact that these boats are confined spaces at sea, I think cruise lines have been hit the hardest. I wouldn't be surprised if people don't cruise until at least 2021 at the earliest. Personally, my family's favorite way to travel, and we did have a cruise booked for this July in Europe. And we were planning on canceling it anyways, just due to everything that's going on. It also leaves from northern Italy, which has been the hotspot of the virus this spring. But Royal Caribbean actually canceled that itinerary. I will say, cruises are doing a great job refunding people. My family actually got a 125% refund, so not only did we get all of our money back, but we now have a 25% credit that we can use to rebook a future cruise. So I guess that's one positive that comes from this whole thing. In terms of air travel, so many flights have been cancelled over the past three months, and if planes have been flying, they've been flying like half full. The airline industry has definitely taken a huge hit. And there are a lot of changes that are going to be made regarding air travel starting now and definitely in the coming year or two. So some of those potential changes will be face masks will be required for the entire duration of flights. So I'm sure you expected that you'd have to wear it at check-in and when you're going through the airport, but experts are saying that you will actually have to wear a mask for the full duration of the flight. In terms of interactions with the airport staff, they'll be kept at a minimum. If you do have to interact with anyone, it will probably be through glass or a plastic screen, maybe like you've done at grocery stores. Also, this is a new one. TSA is now allowing passengers to fly with up to 12 ounces of liquid hand sanitizer. So, that's good. (laughs) All passengers' temperatures will be checked before boarding. Boarding will be done also in smaller groups, so instead of Group A, B, C, and so on and so forth, where there could be upwards of like 40 passengers boarding at once, it will be broken up into smaller groups so people are not as close to one another. There will also be limited or no beverage and food service on board, again just to prevent contamination, and also a lot of airlines have been booking seats further apart for people, So there might be a limitation to picking out your seat yourself. Airlines have been taking control of this because they really want to be able to spread people out. Like I said earlier, a lot of flights have been flying pretty much half full. So the airlines are doing everything they can to spread passengers out, including leaving the middle seat open. So if you hated the middle seat, now might be a good time to fly. Airlines aren't the only ones making drastic changes. Hotels are too. So some changes you can now expect from hotels, which a lot of them around the world are now reopen and available for booking. So when you first walk into the lobby of hotels, you're used to checking in at the front desk, maybe getting your luggage taken up to your room. Not anymore. So your temperature will now be checked at the front desk, and actually check-in is going to be eliminated. A lot of hotels, such as Hilton, have created a contactless check-in and check-out system. Digital keys have also been implemented to stop the spread of germs and to limit interactions in lobbies and at the front desk. You may also now be responsible for carrying your own luggage up to your room and there will definitely be more intense housekeeping. I was reading that housekeeping will not only be kicked up a notch so things will be deeper cleaned, but also they'll actually occur less frequently. So maybe you're used to having your Bed made every single day, but to limit the contact for the housekeepers, they will actually just deep clean your room after your stay. That's not all hotels, but I've read that, and that is what a lot of them will be implementing. Airbnb has also made some changes to their policies. So if you booked a stay in an Airbnb before March 14th and have a check-in date between March 14th and June 30th, you can fully cancel your check-in and receive a full refund or a credit. Any reservations made after March 14th do not abide by this policy unless you or the host has COVID-19. So that's a little bit about Airbnb. So another frequently asked question that I've seen all over the internet and that I've actually been asked myself is, is it worth taking advantage of the coronavirus travel deals? So, as we mentioned, the travel industry is taking a huge hit right now, and because of that, a lot of businesses are providing very cheap flights, discounted hotel rates, basically doing anything they can to entice people to travel right now. There are a lot of really great deals out there, especially if you use websites like Skyscanner and Google Flights, which I talked about both of these when I Mentioned how to book a trip in my first episode, so listen to that if you haven't already. But a lot of websites like that are showing really great deals. To answer the question, is it worth taking advantage of these deals? I would say before you do anything, even consider going, you need to read all about the cancellation policies. In the circumstance of Airbnb, for example, that's a company that has modified their cancellation policy directly as a result of the effects of COVID 19. So if you did book a trip and you were to cancel, they would understand. Some companies may really jip you and you might not be able to get your money back, even if you didn't spend a lot. So definitely consider that. But I would just say travel at your own risk. You know, at this point, restrictions are starting to lift. People are starting to socialize again. I think where I live, I'm familiar with it. I think we really understand the social distancing. We've been staying six feet apart. We're wearing masks in public, but, you know, people have been shopping, people have been hanging out in groups again. I think the same can apply for travel. So as long as you wash your hands often and you wear a mask and you try to stay away from others, I say why not? There's so many countries out there that need the tourism revenue, including the U.S. And that actually brings me to the next topic that I wanted to discuss pertaining to COVID-19, the travel industry. And that is, how is travel going to look in the next year or two? There's obviously a lot of changes that are being made, but it's not going to be the same. I doubt people are going to hop on a plane, fly to Europe, board a cruise ship, be gone, go visit like three countries and come home. I just don't think people are comfortable doing that right now. So what are people comfortable doing? Road trips. That is the future of travel for 2020, especially this summer. I think road trips are a safe option during this time because you are not in a large vehicle with a lot of people, such as a plane or a bus or even a train. You are just in your car and you are in full control of your itinerary. So if you don't want to come in contact with anyone, you don't have to. Also, a lot of states in the U.S., for example, aren't fully open yet, so I think a road trip could be a good option because you don't need to rely on... Restaurants being open for sit-down dining, you can rely on cooking and doing takeout. As long as the national parks and sites are open, which a lot of them are starting to reopen around the world, I think road trips are a great option. Honestly, not sure if this applies to other countries around the world, but at least in the US, where I live in Massachusetts, because a lot of people haven't been driving places because not a lot is open, gas is extremely cheap. It's down 30 to 40% compared to the price it usually is. So that's another reason why it's a great time to road trip. It's affordable. I have always wanted to drive cross-country, and I have a trusty Subaru. So I'm actually thinking about planning a road trip myself. Updates to come with that, but ideally I would want to drive from the Boston area and get as far west as I could and see some of the national parks that I talked about in my first episode in Utah and Arizona. So, updates to come with that, but I think road trips are a great option, especially for this summer. That concludes this episode's travel segment. I hope you guys learned a lot about COVID-19 and how it is affecting the travel industry. Of course, there are so many negative effects being brought out by this pandemic, and my heart goes out to anyone who has lost a loved one during this difficult time. Keep in mind, it's not forever, we will prevail, I cannot wait to get back on the road again and see something new whenever that may be. With that said, now I'll be discussing everything you guys need to know about this week's country, Mexico. Remember how I told you guys I'm going to share the deal of a lifetime for Mexico? Well, here it is. So I visited Mexico with my boyfriend in May 2018 for four days. And I've always wanted to go to Mexico because I've been to the U.S. and Canada and really wanted to visit all the countries in North America. So when it came time to book the trip, I looked all over the internet for deals and found the best deal on CheapCaribbean.com. Write that down. www.CheapCaribbean.com So on Cheap Caribbean, you can search by destination, and it's not just Mexico, by the way. They have deals for the DR, Bahamas, Jamaica, and more. And we looked up Mexico deals, and we knew we wanted to stay in Cancun. So we found an all-inclusive resort that had a great deal, and that resort was called Occidental Costa Cancun. And when we went to book our stay there for the four days, we saw that there was also a JetBlue flight bundle. Now, our flight was not direct from the Boston area, we did have a layover, but we were able to fly JetBlue and stay at this resort, which by the way, the package also included all food, all drinks, airport transfers, and an excursion for $600 per person. Besides the excursion, I think the total was about $500, and then with the excursion, which I'll talk about in a minute, it ended up being $600 per person. That might sound like a lot, but for an all-inclusive stay in the Caribbean, this was a really great deal. Definitely recommend checking out www.cheapcaribbean.com when researching your next vacation. Now that you guys know how to score a great deal in Mexico and the story of what brought me to Mexico, I'll now share a little bit about the country. So Mexico is located in North America, and the country that sits above it is the United States. And the countries that sit below it are Guatemala and Belize. So Mexico is connected to Central America and it actually borders both the Caribbean Sea and the Pacific Ocean. So the Pacific Ocean is to the west, where vacation destinations such as Cabo and Puerto Vallarta are located. And the Gulf of Mexico side, or the Caribbean Sea in the east, is where you can find Cancun. The currency in Mexico is the peso. And a fun fact is that Mexico is actually the 10th most populous country in the world, and it's the most populous Spanish-speaking country. The country of Mexico is a federation with 31 states. Mexico City is the capital. And Mexico City is actually famous for having huge Day of the Dead, or Dia de Muertos, parades and celebrations. These take place every year from October 31st to November 2nd, and are world famous for being really elaborate. It's actually on my bucket list to go celebrate down in Mexico City. Throughout Mexico, you can find Mayan and Aztec culture, and some of the most popular vacation destinations are Cancun, Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, Tulum, and Playa del Carmen. I'll now be talking about Cancun and what we did when we went on vacation. Cancun is actually the most popular vacation destination in Mexico, and is known for its nightlife, beaches, and all-inclusive resorts. Most people that stay in Cancun spend their days lounging by the pool or doing local excursions or swimming at the beach, which is great if you're looking to relax. If you're looking for excursions to do around the Yucatan Peninsula, I highly, highly recommend Chichen Itza and a cenote. So Chitsanitsa is about a three-hour drive from Cancun. It is right in the middle of the Yucatan Peninsula, and there are lots of day trips available that you can do. I booked a day trip for my boyfriend and I from Cancun to Chichen Itza through a company called Cancun Adventure Tours. They did a great job, so I definitely recommend them. In case you guys don't know what Chitsanitsa is, it is an ancient Mayan city, And the main temple is called El Castillo. And this temple specifically became the seventh wonder of the world on July 7th, 2007 at 7pm. Seven is a sacred number for the Mayans. And it's kind of crazy that it became the seventh last and most recent wonder of the world. The main temple has four sides with staircases on each side and during the spring and autumn equinoxes, you can actually see a shadow of a serpent slither down the staircases. This is a supernatural phenomenon that you'll learn all about if you do a tour, but it also draws large groups of tourists to Chichen Itza every year. When you tour Chichen Itza, aside from seeing El Castillo, which again is the main temple, you will also see the Great Ball Court and the Temple of the Warriors. The Great Ball Court is exactly what it sounds. It was a sports arena used by the Mayans. An interesting fact about the sport that they played is you would have to get a ball through a ring. And if you scored and you were the winning team of the match, the captain of the winning team would honorably have his head chopped off. So he would sacrifice himself, not the loser, but the winner. Maybe this is the one sport I can think of where you don't want to win. The Temple of the Warriors is another temple on the site, and this is where human sacrifice took place. On the summit of the temple, so the very highest point, human hearts were actually lit on fire so that smoke could reach the gods. Interesting. After you guys tour Chichen Itza, I highly recommend swimming in a nearby cenote. A cenote is a natural sinkhole that is meant for swimming. There are actually over 6,000 of them located in the Yucatan Peninsula alone. They were once believed by the Mayans to be a portal to the underworld, so human sacrifice did take place here as well. But don't let that discourage you, they are so beautiful and great for swimming nowadays. So our excursion, which again we booked through Cancun Adventure Tours, brought us to Chitsunitza first, and then we had a buffet lunch, and then we got to swim in a cenote in the afternoon. The cenote that we visited, and from my understanding is one of the most famous ones in the Yucatan, is called Kil, I-K-K-I-L. It's one of the biggest, and it was so fun to swim here because there were actually several ledges on the sides that we could climb up and jump from. The water is so refreshing, and there are lockers and showers for you to rinse off as well. So again, this day trip is totally doable from Cancun. It is about two to three hours away, but you have plenty of time to do the tour, eat lunch, and swim before returning to your resort. This was the only excursion that we did on our vacation since we were only gone for four days, but definitely do your research before you travel. There's a lot to do in the area and a lot of culture to be learned. In terms of nightlife, one of the most fun bars in downtown Cancun is called Senor Frogs, These bars are actually located all around the Caribbean. I know there's one in Nassau, and I think there's one in Punta Cana as well. So check that out if you're of age. But other than that, that's pretty much all the information that I have. I've only been to Mexico that one time. We just stayed in Cancun. I was so excited to be able to visit Chichen Itza, as I hope to visit all seven wonders of the world. I've visited four so far, I believe. Three or four. And yeah. If you guys want more information on Mexico, check out my blog. Again, that's www.theabroadblog.com, and my post is just called Cancun Travel Guide. So you can either search Mexico or Cancun in the search box, and you'll be able to find that post. Also, I'm going to be trying something new, and I will actually link that blog post down in the show notes so you guys can reference that later if need be. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Abroad Pod. I hope you guys learned a lot today about COVID-19 and the effects that it's having on the travel industry. The industry as a whole is always evolving and changing, but especially now more than ever, it is rapidly changing. And I think it's our duty as travelers to stay up to date about the world around us. I also hope you all learned something new about Mexico today. If you haven't visited Mexico yet, I definitely recommend it, especially from the U.S. Cancun was only a four-hour flight from the northeast and made for a really great and relaxing vacation. There is so much more I want to explore in Mexico, including Tulum. If you guys have looked into Tulum at all, it is where a lot of temples are located, and it's right on the coast. So it's beautiful there as well. Thank you all for listening, and don't forget to leave me a review if you like the content on the Abroad Pod. And with that being said, I'll catch you guys next Wednesday with another episode. Adios!